0: Hello, Marvelites, welcome to
1: Marvel's The Pull List
0: for April 4th, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by Marvel.com Assistant Editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah, you are. And if y'all hear a squeak, that's because evil producer Brandon chose the squeakiest chair at Marvel (laughs) headquarters to sit in while we're recording. So just wait for it. You're going to hear them squeaks. Squeaks. Uh, We've got a ton of books to go through this week, some real good ones. I'm going to, I'm just, Tucker. Tucker, I'm just going to dive right in. Oh, my. Are, is that okay with you? Dive in. I'm going to dive in Do it. it. All new Wolverine number 33. This is written by Tom Taylor, art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by Corey Petit. Now, last week, Mr. Tom Taylor tweeted out a little preview of this issue. There's a a page where you see Wolverine pop a claw mm-hmm. each on each hand and it's a there's a sound effect that's snickz because it's electric. There's uh, Wolverine is wearing this like Daft Punky sort of mm-hmm. uh, Tron, Tron yeah. suit yeah. looking thing, and uh, she's saying "Let's dance," expletive, which, which I it loved. Out. And Tom posted this, and it was like an animated gif. It was really cool. It's like, what's going on? What's that all about? I read the book. And it makes perfect sense. This book threw me for a loop. Yeah. This is the first part of Old Woman Laura, so it tells you one thing. This is a story set in the future. Uh, we know that we've had Gabby and we've had Jonathan, but this throws us a several years into the future, the not so far future, mm-hmm. as it says in here. Uh, and we we pick up in the action with this Tronish Wolverine. Uh, Which, great costume, Ramon Rosanas doing so good on this. You've got Wolverine going through, slicing and dicing, being cool and and taking down some no-good-nicks in Madripoor. And then we keep going and we find out that that's not Laura. Mm -hmm. That's Gabby. Mm -hmm. Gabby has taken on uh, the bad guys say, it's freaking Wolverine. And you're like, wow, okay. So she's taken on this mantle and this thing. As you go along in the book, you see Laura. She's a little bit older, and then it's just like, bang, bang, boom. One of the things I love in comics that are set in the in the future is all the revelations. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell you one thing. Here's a revelation. This is one of my picks of the week. So we're gonna talk about it more on this week at Marvel later this week. I am not gonna dive too much further into this issue, other than to tell you, it is fantastic. And because I know, I know you guys are gonna be curious about Jonathan the Wolverine and Panagos the Pelican, mm-hmm. they're in the book. Oh yeah. They're in the book. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. We'll talk about it more on This Week of Marvel later in the week.
1: Next up is Amazing Spider-Man number 798. This is Dan Slott's Go Down Swinging Part 2. Pencils are by Stuart Eminen. Inks are by Wade Von Graubadger. Colors by Marte Gracia. Letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, There's so much going on right now. uh, And kind of all in disparate parts at the moment. It's kind of simmering. And in this issue, things really heat up. JJ is being held captive. Pete and the Daily Bugle crew are... Trying to do uh, some research. they after who they don't know is now dead. The Goblin King, Flash is involved as Anti Venom now, and I'll just say the issue starts out with an incredible and classic throwdown at the Daily Bugle headquarters between Spider Man and the Goblin and the Green Goblin. Pete learns something huge. Here, Something that we as readers have been aware of for a long time, and then it comes to life in a big way for him that raises some really big questions about, is his greatest enemy defeatable? Uh, Can he win this fight? Yeah, this is just a ridiculously fun time. There's so much going on. It hits so many classic Spidey beats and it just continues
0: to set up this final arc in just more and more perfect ways. Next up is Astonishing X-Men number 10. It is written by Charles Soule. Art by ACO, uh, who's uh, the penciler, David Lorenzo on inks, Rochelle Rosenberg on colors and letters by Clayton Cowles. ACO, if you remember, was the artist on the Nick Fury book Mm -hmm. from a year or so ago the way he aco does the double page spreads and i think this goes also into the way charles writes with and for his artists mm-hmm. is he's letting you can see aco flourishing here he does a lot of really interesting panel just structures there's you know I'm, I'm looking at a two page spread here where the top half of the two pages is a sound effect with the image of an explosion in it that's across both pages Mm -hmm. and below that are six pages and there's slightly different structures but they keep the action moving 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 and then you flip the next page and you get another double page spread and it's a massive battle as wolverine is leaping in the air blood on him arrows flying around and in him archangels behind him rogues in front of him she's got like a shield mystiques in one scene she's fighting what looks like a star wars rancor Mm -hmm. uh there's Gambit and Bishop and dudes on horses and X and Psylocke and just craziness, but it feels so easy to follow yeah. at the same time, yeah. which I think is a real testament to a great storyteller. Uh, you know, you go from that to another double-page spread, yeah. with the top half of the the pages is broken out to one main image, and then you get a full panel that is just a sound effect. Thwim. Mm -hmm. And it looks like the thing's body texture. Mm -hmm. It's just really smart, really interesting way that this book is done. You know, oval panels and hourglass shapes and circle panels with objects flying out of them. It's Mm -hmm. just wonderful storytelling coming from these two. I
1: kept turning the page and expecting to see like just a normal panel structure, like something that I'm more used to seeing. Every single page in here is either a double page spread. It's like each individual page is is like a cohesive whole in such a unique way this was a totally different kind of read for me this week and i loved it
0: look the x-men versus proteus it's fantastic yeah, yeah. it was just really smart and interesting comic book storytelling yeah. on top of all the cool stuff i, I like. want
1: to give a shout out to mark paniccia and christian harrington who are the ex-editors i feel like this is the perfect marriage of the art and the story and i just love this so much In another wild, wacky, crazy art. Wait, hold
0: on. I just realized I have one of my favorite lines came from Astonishing X-Men. Sorry, I was looking at my notes. I was listening to you. I was entranced (laughs) with what you were saying, Tucker. But one of my favorite lines came in this book and it's, quote, well, that's nice, I suppose. Been a while since I saw a dragon. And that's Gambit reacting to dragons in Astonishing X-Men. I just love it for, I don't know what movie it is. Maybe you guys will remember like someone saying that they're too terrified to have any rational thoughts. Like they've seen something that is so disturbing that their just like capacity for rational thought is gone. And it's Gambit's just like, oh, cool. Dragons. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm broken. <laughs> I'm seeing dragons again. Great.
1: Uh, the wild weirdness that I was talking about comes in the form of Avengers No Surrender. This is part 13, and it's Avengers. Number 687. It's written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub. Pencils are by Paco Medina. Inks by Juan Velasco. Colors by Jesus Albertov and Federico Blee with letters by Corey Petit. This feels like a real turning point in the relationship of Voyager to the Avengers. Voyager to the entire hero squad. Because essentially the issue just starts out and they found her out. They are fully up to speed on who she is. On who she's in the game for, uh, of course, uh, the Grandmaster is her father, and she was implanted in their memories as a way to earn their trust. But I'm so happy with to have learned her story in in No Surrender, and I really want to see her continue on in, in other stories as we move beyond No Surrender. Um, she got she's
0: got to get out of this though. She's I know, survive I know. this story. I, I know that's they what all I'm,
1: do. Uh, that's what I'm hoping is that. She makes it because she's such a fascinating character brought in as an agent of evil, but she has this morality to her and she wants to find a way to help the good guys. At least at this point, you never know uh, when she might do a heel turn. Who knows? But of course, we're still dealing with the fallout slash emergence of Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and uh, how he is dealing with himself, how he is dealing with this giant cosmic battle that has you know called him back to life.
0: There's like a three page conversation between Jarvis and Bruce Banner. Yeah, that man, it's so good. Yeah. One of my favorite moments in any movie is the part in Royal Tenenbaums near the end. Uh, You guys know the movie Royal Tenenbaums where uh, Ben Stiller's character dog has just been run over. He's dealing with all this stuff and he Royal comes in and he's like I got you this dog to replace the other dog. And he's (laughs) like are you okay Chazzy? And Chaz is like it's just been a really hard year dad and the way he says it there's so much emotion in that conversation right there and that was what I was thinking about when I was reading this this particular conversation and Bruce Banner's got tears streaming down his eyes and you get this sense of how emotionally important Jarvis is to every Avenger to the concept of the Avengers mm-hmm. really to Marvel as a whole because he's what he says in here, it's just so well
1: done. Yeah, and as we move towards the end of this issue and as we move until, can you believe it, with 14, 15, and 16 uh, over the next three weeks No Surrender is going to be wrapping up, it's crazy, uh, we see that another one of the big bads involved not just wants to destroy the Avengers, but he wants to, essentially, I just saw it as him kicking the game board off the table entirely. And we'll see the fallout of that in the final three issues. It's going to be really crazy. I also want to say, this is one of my covers of the week. It's the incredible Mark Brooks. It's a kind of Athena born from the head of Zeus style, crazy, just weird, awesome, impossible to describe, beautiful painterly image of uh, the Avengers bursting from the head of Voyager and it just is its great.
0: It's also one of my covers of the week too, yeah, Great job. We have two more Avengers books this week. The first being Avengers Back to Basics number one by Peter David uh, Juan Ramirez and Eric Arseniega with letters by Jimmy Betancourt. This is a digital exclusive book. Uh, If you're like, I don't know I'm, you know, I'm hemming and hawing over here. This issue has Thor versus Black Panther in an air hockey game. (laughs) do you need any more reasons to read this uh i will give you a couple it also has scrolls the cosmic cube and then uh cap and tony at a baseball game and so much more yeah it it was a really fun issue uh and again black panther versus thor air hockey it's the dream (laughs) match you always wanted to see And our third Avengers book of the week is Avengers Shards of Infinity, number one, written by Ralph Macchio, whom you'll remember from last week's episode of This Week at Marvel. He was Dan Slott's boss as editor on Fantastic Four, and he's also the writer of so many comics. Well, this is just a straight up solid superhero story. It's got Black Widow, Black Panther, Falcon and Cap. They have to go to the moon to stop a lethal organization called Lunar. Yeah, from overthrowing the world's governments. It's fun and it's classic. There's a funny moment in Marvel Strike Force, our new game that we did some stuff for, where the head of Hydra is basically like saying to Fury, "Hey, we want to, we want our team of our own. We can't be Shield. Can we be Sword?" And he's like, "That's taken." Uh, What about Hammer? And he's like, "That's taken." Uh, What about Ultimatum? And he's like, "That's taken." She's (laughs) like, "Wait, Ultimatum's taken." He's like, "Yeah." She's like. We've always tried to figure out, but we couldn't pick what the second "U" was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really funny bit of business. If if Ryan
1: was an acronym for you, Mm. what would what would it spell out?
0: Raging, yawning, and napping. Wow! Because we rage. Did you come with that prepared? Nope. right now. We rage. uh, I get a little tired. Gotta take a nap. (laughs)
1: That's how we roll. Wow, that's perfect. The next book this week is, I know, ring-a-ding-ding-ding-ding. You know what that sound means. Mm -hmm. One of your picks of the week. Boo-boo-boo. It is Black Bolt number 12 by the incredible, unstoppable duo, Saladin Ahmed uh, and Christian Ward with letters by Clayton Cowles. This duo and this book this week was just announced, was nominated for a Hugo Award. Nice. uh, Which is incredible and so insanely well-deserved. This is the final issue of this run. It's hard to believe that it's come to a close, but it couldn't have closed out in a more perfect way.
0: Yeah. I will talk about that uh, much more on This Week in Marvel, but it has another of my favorite lines. And the line is, quote, power is lonely, but strength, strength comes from connection. And that's the narration in the issue about Black Bolt gathering strength from those he loves, from his friends, and how important that strength is Mm -hmm. in helping him overcome the problems that he has to deal with throughout this story throughout this issue and uh it was really good really really good all right up next is iron fist number 79 and this is a tie-in book to damnation that uh that little event that's going on this one is written by ed brisson art by damian Cusiero, colors by andy troy and letters by travis lanham look demons they're jerks I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. I don't even care if the the demon coalition comes after me. I'm just saying it right now for you guys to hear. Demons are jerks. They're all over this issue. But last issue, we saw Orson Randall. Orson Randall being one of the former Iron Fists and someone who – Danny connected to a lot in the Immortal Iron Fist series. And we find out how and why Orson Randall is fighting in basically this demonic UFC. Uh of course, it's all about betting on souls, which is a bad idea, Tucker. <laughs> Tucker, you're young, yes. you're impressionable. I just want to say this as a piece of advice, unsolicited <laughs> sure. never sell your soul or bet your soul for something. Okay. That just for me, will you do that for me? You promise? But, 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 Come on. Okay. Fine. Great. I feel like I've made something good happen (laughs) with this. But got to give a nice shout out to Damon Cusiero, who has such a cool knack for drawing monsters and demons. There's a bit of a Kev Walker vibe to some of this, which I absolutely love. But he draws so many monsters in here, and they all look so cool and different. There's ones with mouths and their bellies Mm. and fur and fire and teeth and so many teeth. (laughs) Just teeth everywhere.
1: Next up, one of my almost picks of the week, ooh, zing, just missed, uh, <laughs> is Marvel 2-in-1, Thing in the Human Torch. This is issue number five, brought to you by Chip Zdarsky, Valerio Schietti, Frank Martin on colors, and Joe Carmagna on letters. A couple of non-Marvel 2-in-1 things that this issue made me think of. One was how excited I am for Dan Slott and Valerioski T on Iron Man because Valerio just destroys in this issue. It is so insanely good. And the other one is the fascinating, almost like retroactive, impossible to ignore, recontextualization and excitement that this buke isn't... <laughs> That this, that this buke is infused with now that we know that the Fantastic Four are on their way back. One of my panels of the week comes on the title page uh, where Ben is upset. He's mad at this alternate universe Reed. He kind of thinks that he's given up, that he's been defeated by the universe. So he's not even trying anymore. He's not doing the things that make Reed read. And he gives him... What well, looks like a backhand slap and calls him a coward. And it's just this insanely perfect taking advantage of all the stretchiness and weirdness of Mr. Fantastic. Almost like a caricature, like you would see like a carnival or something. Yeah. It is so perfect as Reed's face is smashed into a piece of glass. Uh, anyway, there is some really awesome alternate universe action that goes on here. All of the heroes of this world are kind of S.H.I.E.L.D. Incorporated. They all have these really sick uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. inspired uniforms that I love. There were some really, really cool ones. The nation is under attack by these doom surfers and Chip is just continuing to crush with where this story is headed.
0: This was also nearly one of my picks of the week and it has that similar thing to all new Wolverine of like we jump into... What feels like a what if universe, Mm -hmm. but is also feels right. The costumes, the powers, the chip's dialogue throughout. It's yeah, it's Mm -hmm. superb. Yeah. We've got Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp Prelude number two out this week. It is adapted by Will Corona Pilgrim. Uh, as the writer. Pencils by Chris Allen, inks by Roberto Poggi, colors by Guru Effects. And this sort of takes the original Ant-Man movie, starting from the Falcon fight Mm -hmm. through to the end of the picture.
1: Also, I will mention on that, Will Corona Pilgrim, the writer of that, who works at Marvel Studios um, and is therefore the perfect person to write this story. Uh, We have a, a great a little interview with him about the the Eminem Lost Prelude, about his process, about what his thinking was, and it's really interesting to get that inside perspective. The next book is New Mutants: Dead Souls Number Two. Oh, by the way, that's that's S O U L S. This is not featuring a deceased Charles Soul in this storyline.
0: Honestly, Tucker, I thought you were going to go and talking about shoes. I thought you were going to go right into like talking about some sort of beaten up pair of, of trainers or something. To
1: be honest, I wouldn't put either past the writer of this, which is Matt Rosenberg, art by Adam Gorham, colors by Michael Garland and letters by Clayton Cowles. This book, this is issue number two is I feel like it adapts and takes inspiration from different genres so beautifully the first one definitely kind of like a horror you know zombie genre kind of thriller um this one i feel like was kind of fantasy inspired in a really really great way the new mutants end up after some great back and forth between the kind of russian siberian arctic and greenpoint brooklyn uh brunch time (laughs) the new mutants get summoned to the ice and the cold uh where they have to face off with some insane insane ice monsters and the undead and everything this issue actually reminded me of in lord of the rings the journey into the mines of moria it's a mine Uh, I'm loving this series. I, I think it's really, really great stuff. It's super unique. I feel like it captures the voice of these characters so wonderfully, the youthful voice of these mutants.
0: Yeah, there's a whole lot going on. And the last page of this has the return of one of my favorite Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm jazzed. You know what that sound means? If we have scatting, that means it's time for Tucker's Pick of the Week. Oh, yeah. Punisher number 223. And uh, it's written by, again, Matt Rosenberg. Killing it. Art by Guiu Villanova. Colors by Lee Lowridge. Letters by Corey Petit. And, uh, yeah, we won't get too much into this, but this is really the end of Frank's Warren Trinaya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. So brutal.
1: Like one of the only notes that I had for this was just so badass in all caps. Um, but yeah, we'll jump into it more on This Week of Marvel. I loved this issue so much. But first, we have to cover Rise of the Black Panther number four, uh, which is written by Evan Narciss, uh, with consulting work by Tanahasi Coates, art by Javier Pina, and colors by Stefan Petru. There's some great exploration of the ancillary Black Panther characters and not just some wonderful work on who they are, but some really interesting exploration of how they relate to T'Challa, how they relate to the Black Panther, how they relate to Wakanda and the throne specifically. It's some really interesting kind of palace intrigue, but it's a lot more personal than that. I was talking specifically about this one really wonderful exchange that goes down between Njotaka and the White Wolf and their backgrounds and leaps into their stories and their motivations and how they ended up as members of this community, but also a a little bit disenfranchised, a little bit kind of feeling like others as it relates to the royal family and T'Challa and T'Chaka. I think there's some really fantastic dialogue in here. Essentially what happens is Black Panther goes to uh, make a visit to Victor Von Doom. And while they never come to blows, it is so fascinating because the way they're talking, they might as well be. I mean, it is so sharp. It is so fierce. You know, these are two brilliant characters. These are two brilliant leaders. And to see their barbs and really the verbal fists come out in such really wonderful ways is so much fun to read.
0: And they wield so much power yeah. that their words are as devastating as a warhead. Yeah.
1: Do I, you know who Injatica is? Oh, do okay. I?
0: All right. I looked at it. I was like, wait, I know what that is. Yeah. And I had to double check myself. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. The, I, the, I only
1: knew because I recently wrote an article where I was it. looking at that character and yeah. that character's history in a lot of ways. So and it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's like,
0: I think if you don't know who that character is- Don't research. Yeah. Read this book and let the pieces fall. Yeah. All right. Up next is Rogue and Gambit, number four. This is written by Kelly Thompson, art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank D'Armada, letters by Joe Caramagna. Now look, I've talked at length Mm -hmm. about my love of this book and how it is working its way to turn me not so much against Gambit. (laughs) And yeah, I, I enjoy... Gambit and a Gambit book. It's more than that. It's it makes you care for the two of them because of their love for each other and the things that they've been through. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of that, like deeper than I really remember. You know, everybody like sort of pictures them together, but Kelly and Perry and everybody dig into the emotional importance yeah. and the decisions and the the repercussions and the, what their relationship means to them in a way that is so different. Uh, at least for me. I remember uh,
1: hearing uh, Darren Shan, who's the editor of this book, talk about all the insane levels of research that Kelly did for this series back at New York Comic Con. And you can just so feel it on every page.
0: Yeah. There's a, a these sort of replicas of them, mm-hmm. of Rogue and Gamma that they have to fight. They call them golems in this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call them doppelgolems. Ooh. Trademark. That one. Uh, so they're they're fighting through, uh, you know, all these doppelgolems. And Gambit destroys one of the rogues. He ends up getting some of her power, but also some of the memories that are tied to that specific version of Rogue. Mm-hmm. What she's wearing, who she was, what she was thinking, like the memory that created that mm-hmm. doppelgolem at that time. He gets some piece of that, and they get to live they get the ability to live in each other's shoes in a way that they'd never been able to before. And I think those are like major turning points for how I appreciate these characters and this relationship. And Harry Perez has been working for a while, but this feels to me like that breakout book. Yeah. So friggin' good Mm -hmm. on this because you have to get those costumes right. There's so many different versions of Rogue or Gambit running around this that you have to nail it and he crushes
1: it. Yeah. I have Runaways number eight next, which is written by Rainbow Rowell, art by the incredible Chris Anka, colors by Triana Tree Farrell, and letters by Joe Caramagna. There's some really wonderful narration that it starts out with, where it talks about how Julie Power has had some issues with the Federal Aviation Administration uh, and her flying abilities, so she just has to fly coach now, um, which I really thought was hilarious. The arc is titled Best Friends Forever, and this is part two of it. Uh, We get right into things between Molly and Abby, because Abby presents Molly with a cupcake. But it's not just any cupcake. She says, if you eat this whole thing, then you'll stay young forever. It's a really interesting, unresolved... Turn of events that feels like a f- like a really weird, strange possibilities for not just Molly, but for the runaways as a whole.
0: Um, uh, if Molly is smart like me, she'll yeah. be like, Oh, cupcakes and all cakes are gross. I'm not gonna <laughs> eat this. Get out of here, you dumb butt. Yeah. But you know, yeah, well, we'll, I... we'll see what she what where she goes with. It. Uh and then
1: things go down, and holy moly, a big bad shows up in the form of of Victor Von Doom, who wants, he's in the interests of becoming a victor with a lowercase v to win Victor Mancha's, mm, I can't think of a v-word for head, but head. Um, And he's there because he wants it. Uh, And things go insane from there. There's some really, really excellent... You know, visualization of the runaway's various powers from chris anka but uh yeah it's uh super fun
0: the only thing i could think of to give you with a, for a head with a v was vertical topping which <laughs> does not wow. make any sense vertical <laughs> topping so now listeners if you say oh you have something on your head stop think yeah. hey friend you have something on your vertical topping and they'll also- <laughs> They'll just be like, wait, did you just break are you are you okay? Are you okay? Do you <laughs> need to go to a hospital? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like, no, I just listened to this podcast called Marvel's the polis You'll understand yeah. here. Listen yeah. to it as well. Wow. Uh so, right, Visage is face, but that's, that's you know, face. close enough. Yeah. It's close uh, enough. Uh all right. Also a great book is Spider-Man. We have issue number two hundred and thirty-nine here. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Oscar Basildua, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Corey Petit. Uh, like, Miles trying to figure out what his uncle is up to here is really good. He, like, does some detectiving in uh, his uncle Aaron's apartment. And he figures it out. He goes, I'm like, Batman. Very good, Brian. <laughs> See what you did there. See what you did. Uh, we are nearing the end of Mr. Bendis's run, so big emotional beats coming to the fore with mm-hmm. Miles and his uncle, with Lana, a.k.a. Bombshell, and her jerk of a mom, even with Riri and Latveria, because all the stuff that happened in Invincible Iron Man had mm-hmm. Riri and dealing with Latveria and all this other stuff. So we get some of those connections in here, and and the champions show up, and it's it's good, it's big, it's fun. Uh, the, the cover makes it seem a little bit more like distraught, And like deadly than it is. But I think if that gets you picking it up, great. This is a terrific issue. Yeah.
1: Next up is Star Wars number 46, written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Salvador LaRocca. Colors by Guru EFX. Letters by Clayton Cowles. This is Mutiny at Moncala part three. I really enjoy this issue because first of all, we get some cool changeling action you'll recall in attack of the clones we got a a cinematic glimpse of that uh with zam wessel the assassin and there is uh a very
0: i'm looking at you my eyes are like melting out of my head because i know the name zam wessel yeah and so i i actually came to this wanting to know Have we heard of a Claudite before? Right.
1: They do not mention that Zemwassel is of this species in Attack of the Clones. They don't mention it by name, but I assume that it is the same and it's just being called out officially here. But the crew, Leia, 3PO, Han, Luke, R2, Chewie, they have this alien who has the ability to change his appearance to look like other people, and they're using his abilities to kidnap. The moth of the moncalmari people, who is the essentially the imperial representative, or you know that'd be a kind word to use. The yeah, I was going to say of-
0: he's not a a Mon Cala, Yeah, like he's not. As far as we could tell from that planet, he's just some random human dude, yeah, who gets placed there to rule over Moncala to take over Moncala
1: because, as we know, the Empire is really worried about Moncala and their history of rebellion. This is like a great kind of James Bondy type heisty like Casino Royale, you know, type issue where they have to go in they have to kind of steal some uniforms they have to kind of impersonate various people to get this uh, very you know powerful person out of a very specific scenario um, and I really really loved seeing all of the different characters play their role in that like everyone is firing at all cylinders in their respective ways including the droids which is so great yeah. to see them all them working like just such a cohesive unit uh, throughout this entire issue I saw you tweet uh, a few panels from this issue, which was so funny, because we, we get a, a little, a rare glimpse inside a Star Wars lavatory.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you guys want Star Wars bathrooms, this issue's got them. Yeah. The way they convince the shapeshifter, Tunga Arpesian mm-hmm. to join them, part of it is like, sort of like, dude, you're bored. <laughs> right. You can be anyone and do anything. You get bored. This is a challenge. Come, come, do this. For yeah. us. And he's like, okay. But I was thinking, Tucker. If you could shapeshift into anyone and do anything, be anything, would you get bored?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I guess it's how long have you been at the game? Because if you've been doing it for years and years and decades, and it's like, okay, you know, you've been the president of the United States. You've been professional athletes. You've I would been be the rock. Everything
0: every day yeah. forever. <laughs> I would never get bored. Like so
1: it's not it's not the ability to change into anyone. That's not that is a misnomer. It is just the ability to change into the rock. Right. That's what if, it would be for you.
0: If you had the ability to change into the rock, great. Best power But ever. J- just to be clear that we're not talking about Ben Grimm here. <laughs> uh we're talking about Dwayne Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, one of our two Venomy books this week. It's Venom number 164, part one of the nativity It is written by Mike Costa, pencils by Mark Bagley. Inks by Scott Hanna. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And letters by Clayton Cowles. And man, I love seeing Mark Bagley. Yeah. Praying hands emoji. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Mark Bagley's the best. Uh, Seeing him draw venom and carnage and all this is just pure joy. But Eddie wakes up from a nightmare pukes into a bucket, and then tosses the puke out his window. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most dastardly, (laughs) villainous things a New York City resident can do. That is going to land on someone. Yeah. Gross. And if it doesn't land on someone, you still look up and you're like, that jerk in that apartment just threw a puke on the ground. <laughs> right. What are we doing? Like, who's going to get this guy out of the apartment? It's gross. It's really, really gross. Anyway, Mark Bagley draws a dope shocker. He's like kind of spelt and really cool. And there's this scene of shocker holding up a jeweler, a jeweler, jeweler, a jeweler, jeweler. <laughs> it's great pacing and storytelling. We get this menacing shot. Of the shocker, then the clerk being scared, then three panels, each focusing in closer on the shocker's face as he realizes he's not the real threat there. Mm-hmm. And you pan out in the next panel and you're like, oh, monster. It's so good, just really wonderful comic book story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving from one Venom book to another, I have Venomized number. One, this is a continuation of the incredible Venom events that we've been treated to in recent months, starting with Venom Inc., then moving to Poison X, and now we're in Venomized, which is so exciting. It's written by Cullen Bunn, with art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Matt Yackey, with letters by Joe Caramagna. It starts out with a really different iteration of the poisons, as we've seen them slowly take on different heroes and transform them. Uh, The X-Force gets the treatment this time as they invade the X-Mansion. There's some really, really awesome fight scenes going on. The poisons have like a symbiote gun.
0: I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, It's like the poisons grow their ranks by taking someone who has a symbiote Mm -hmm. and then basically assimilating them with the poison, their are right. like poison personas, right. and that's how they be, they get new people into the hive mind. So why not have a gun that shoots symbiotes? It's so cool! Yeah,
1: I think the art in this book is so incredible from Iben because you know essentially the whole point of this book is that this group of bad guys, the poisons, are trying to assimilate as many good guys and bring them into their ranks. And, you know, make them look like themselves. That's a big part of it. So to be able to do that and to make that effective, but to also keep the uniqueness of each hero as they go through that transition and as they come out the other side as a poison or as having the symbiote feels like such a difficult challenge. But I feel like it's pulled off so wonderfully. And this is just a perfect start to the Venomized series, which, you know, uh, is Just another piece of the larger, incredible Venom puzzle that's being built out over the course of 2018.
0: Yeah. All right, last new issue of the week is X-Men Gold, number 25. Man, magic is cold in this issue. She, like, we get her... Uh, with armor they're for some reason fighting rhino in times square Uh and you know they're getting ready to actually like throw down and fight and they realize they have to leave they have to take on scythian who's this giant negative zone villain who is now in our reality and she's like oh we gotta go and she just opens up a portal and sends rhino into limbo like, yeah. that is ice cold. Yeah. Like, you could just knock the dude, punch him in his face. He's got a glass jaw. He'll go down. And no, she sends him to a version of, like, a hell-like realm. Yeah, It is rough. <laughs> uh, I, I love what's going on here. Mark Guggenheim has been having so much fun. I've... Uh, with him as writer. Pencils on this issue by Paulo Suquera and Jose Luis. Inks by Cam Smith and Victor Olazaba. Colors by Arif Prianto. Hava Tartaglia and Juan Fernandez. Letters by Corey Petit. And so the big problem here is that Scythian is godzilla size god trashing Earth. He is going through, he's in Paris, and he's pissed off because the Avengers beat him nearly uh completely stopped him, but not all the way. He's made his way here. And now it's up to members of Excalibur, different squads of the X-Men to come and stop him. There's a really funny moment when we're in this prison where the some of the X-Men have been, and they're like kind of there willingly, as we find out in this issue, right. where Storm, she's like Okay, had enough, (laughs) they put me in a little box, I am not pleased, she deals with her claustrophobia, she deals with a stupid bit of technology that's preventing her from using her powers, Mm -hmm. and she just busts out, and she basically says to the warden like, no sir, (laughs) we are leaving to save the world. Great Storm stuff in here. Uh, and it's we end up getting like 12 X-Men to have to take down yeah. Scythian. And one of them has a really incredible weapon at their disposal. There's a connect back to a classic x-men story i believe written by chris claremont art by arthur adams uh which was again picked up a couple years later by a story that mark guggenheim did uh, so we haven't seen this power in a while i'm being a little vague about it because it's a really cool reveal and a bit of business i didn't know was coming in this issue and the mm-hmm. art here just fantastic the character who gets this power looks so good but the way that the x-men deal with scythian was gnarly. Yeah. It was great. Really cool ending to this story and then we're starting to roll into wedding season. Oh yeah. Wedding bells are coming.
1: Yeah. There are a couple of True Believers issues out this week. True Believers uh and that includes Avengers versus Thanos number 1 and Thanos the first number 1. So check those out. Yeah. Collections on sale this week include Avengers Mighty Origins and trade paperback Avengers versus Thanos Digest and trade paperback Black Panther Shuri the deadliest of the species trade paperback Marvel Legacy companion trade paperback Star Wars A New Hope the 40th anniversary in hardcover. I want to check that one out. Star Wars Volume 7, The Ashes of Jeddah in trade paperback. Thanos, The Infinity Siblings in hardcover. X-Men Grand Design in trade paperback. That is a beaut. Oh, that thing looks incredible. And then X-Men Legion Quest in hardcover.
0: Heck yeah. All right. So we have a bunch of books added to the Marvel app this week. You can find the full list in the news story and in the show notes. A couple I wanted to highlight out. There's a bunch of giant size issues that have been added to The Marvel app, so you've got Spider-Woman superstars from the 70s, chillers from the 70s, Spider-Man from the 70s, but then some from the 2000s like First Class and Incredible Hulk, uh, Avengers Special, so a lot of new giant size issues. Those are fun. Some Startling Stories limited series, which were really cool, very weird sort of limited series that came in the early 2000s. You have Fantastic Four, Unstable Molecules, The Megalomaniacal Spider-Man, number one, and Thing, Night Falls on Yancey Street, number one through four. That one is really choice. I highly suggest you check that out. Digital collections on sale include the books that Tucker talked about, as well as a couple of others. Uh, One I wanted to point out was Vampire Tales, volume two. I talked about volume one uh, not too long ago. It Old Vampire Tales magazine reprints that are super cool, great black and white art, weird articles and and just of the time pop culture-y stuff. And then finally, on Marvel Unlimited, tons of books added this week. A couple ones I wanted to point out were Generations. We have two issues of the Generations specials, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Peter Parker, Spider-Man, as well as Sam Wilson, Captain America, and Steve Rogers, Captain America. That Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers one was Tremendous. Yeah,
1: yeah really mem- memorable issue. Oof, yeah.
0: really good. It'll it'll hit you in the gut. Definitely check those out on Marvel Unlimited. The Marvel Legacy one shot is really good. Uh if you are, yeah. you know, if you want to see what's coming that has a lot of hints mm-hmm. about, you know, future stories, about things that are happening in Avengers coming up in Black Panther mm-hmm. and more. Definitely check out Marvel Legacy if you've not already. And then a bunch of issues of Master of Kung Fu, issue 17 through 28, added to Marvel Unlimited. Just cool. I don't know. For some reason, we were adding a lot of like old seventies vampire and, yeah. and kung fu books to all of our digital stuff, and I am very pleased. Yeah, it is great. That about wraps it up for Marvel's the pull list. I think that's it. Remember, tune into this week in Marvel later this week. We'll talk about our favorite picks mm-hmm. and so much more. You guys can also check me out on Earth's Mightiest show this week, talking with editor Chris Robinson about X Men Grand Design. So awesome. It all ties together, yeah, yeah. you know? It's all connected, as they say, Tucker. Yeah, and you're headed to Chicago this weekend. Oh my gosh, I am headed to Chicago, yeah. yes. If any of you are listeners of just Marvel's The pullest and not This weekend Marvel, I will tell you right now, real quick, I'm going to be at C2E2. We've got two panels I'll be on. I'll be at the booth a lot of the time with Lorraine Sink and Judy Stevens and tons of other people. So find me, say hello. If not, you can also, we're going to dig in a little bit more into what we've got going on for C2E2 later on on This weekend Marvel. Nice. Yeah, that's about it. This is Marvel, your universe. Hi.